0: I'm going to invite you to grab your Bible and go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 25. That's going to be our spiritual food uh, for this morning. And as you're going there, I want to catch us back up to speed with where we're at in our sermon series. Um, We started this series at the beginning of the summer called Invisible War. Battling against evil. And you recall when we started, we Uh, We're alerted to the fact that there's spiritual warfare going around all around us. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. And then Tim, the last couple of Sundays, has has looked at two of our different adversaries that we face. First, the devil and demons and that spiritual realm. That the devil is a defeated enemy, but he's doing all that he can to make Christians ineffective for the kingdom work here and now. And then last week we were challenged, really, uh, to look at the world as an enemy because the world is opposed to the things of God. That if you're a friend to the world, you're an enemy of God. And so we were challenged to know that we're in battle with the world, but not to retreat from it, but rather engage society around us with the good news of Jesus Christ, to be salt and light uh, right in the place that God has placed us. And today we come to our third and final adversary in our series, and that is uh, the flesh. The flesh. Now, if you're a visitor here this morning or a guest first time or you've been coming for a while and you're not a believer, I know that's the case uh, for, for some. As I look over the congregation and the first service as well, I notice some people that uh, I've just had honest conversations with. They're not believers and maybe you're not a christian a believer but if you are a christian you are a believer you know what the gospel is right we're in the book of romans so let's just stay in romans real quickly and just uh, talk about what the gospel is in a nutshell okay so romans chapter 3 verse 10 says that there is none righteous no not one romans three twenty three says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we are all sinners Whether we like to admit it or not, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have each turned to our own way. Romans 6.23 says the wages of that sin, the wages of our sin, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're a messed up people because we're sinners. We have a sinful nature that we're born with, but not only that, we choose to do that which is wrong and evil in God's sight, and we consistently fall short of God's perfection and His holiness. And so the wrath of God then is revealed against all of our sin. Romans chapter 1, God's wrath is revealed against unrighteousness of all sorts, sorts that we're a part of, and so that we're lost, and we're objects of God's wrath, and we're destined for destruction because of our sin and because of our rebellion. But, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ came, and he didn't wait for us to get good and to get cleaned up for him to love us. He loved us, dirty and rotten and sinful that we are, so much so that he gave of his life for us. So that if you would turn to him, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus saves sinners. Call on him to be saved. This is the gospel. I'm not ashamed, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's salvation for all who would come to him. So then you're saved, right, Christians? You become a believer, and then you don't sin anymore. No, that's not right, right? That's not, well, let, let's, let's see. Um, let's see a raise of hands. How many people in here haven't sinned in the past year? Nobody. We had one person in the first service, so uh, that was good. Um, no, we had nobody in that first service either. We all still sin. And we all, to some degree, struggle with sin. Do we not? This is what we're talking about today. The battle that rages within us. There's a battle going on. Not only do we have an enemy called the devil, not only do we have an enemy that's all around us in the world, sad to say, we have an enemy that's right here inside of us. It's the flesh. Martin Luther said this, in the gospel, we are forgiven of sin, and yet we do not cease to be a sinner. For we are flesh, and we feel the battle within. The more godly a man is, the more he feels of the battle. So we deal with the flesh. We struggle with sin. We struggle with addictions. I know there's stories of those who have battled addiction, that they've come to Jesus Christ... God saves them and instantaneously the the, the addiction is gone. But for most, but for most it's a struggle. Whether it's a substance, whether it's pornography, whether it's chronic lying, there's a struggle against the sinful self, our flesh. And we're all engaged in it on one level or another. The challenge today is going to be the question, and I'll just tell you this is at the end, is are you battling against your flesh? Are you fighting? So now we are ready for our text. Romans chapter 7, uh, starting at verse 14. I'm going to invite you to stand as we read God's word together. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive of the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I... Myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would be our teacher. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal the ways that our flesh seeks to sin against you and against others. God, would you lift us up uh, out of the mire of our sin this morning to be a people on fire for you, battling that which is evil and wrong. We know that you've called us to this battle. Lord, we know that there are some here this morning who who, who may not even have made that step of of faith that you would be drawing them to yourself even now. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would impress upon us exactly what it is you want us to know this morning. And so I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. There's three views, historically, on this passage that we just read from Paul. The first one is this, that Paul is speaking here as a non-Christian, not a believer. And he's speaking about himself when he was a Pharisee, but he didn't know Jesus Christ. That he loved the law, but he couldn't please God. He kept on sinning and falling into sin. There's a second view. The second view is that Paul is just speaking as a believer, where he is right now. That's the view that we're going to take, by the way, on this passage uh, for a number of different reasons. Just a couple real quick is because he's speaking in the present tense. He's speaking about his own life. And then even at the end of verse 25, when he says that the victory is in Jesus Christ, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he says, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is a present reality in the life of Paul. There's a third way that you could take this text and that Paul is writing about uh, carnal Christians or backslidden believers uh, that they've come to Uh, faith in Jesus Christ, they've come to know Jesus as their Savior, but they've backslidden, they're carnal, they're giving into their flesh. I don't think that's the case. I think it is the case that Paul is speaking in the present tense about the struggles that he has as a believer with his flesh. And that you and I also struggle with the flesh. Uh, This message has bothered me for some time. um, Because We all face this battle, but God can give us the victory. So let's start here with the big idea. The big idea is this. We will struggle with sin, but Jesus Christ gives us the victory. So let's look, number one, at the problem. The problem. The problem is our flesh. Look at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. The flesh is a slave to sin. The flesh is sold to sin. I looked up flesh in the dictionary. It said it's the, it's the soft tissue parts of our body. Do you think that's what Paul's meaning when he's talking about the flesh? no. Paul is is meaning this. Let's define it this way. The flesh is our sinful self or our sinful nature. That's the problem. It's the part of us uh, that wants to do wrong. Now the law of God reveals a sin in our life. We see this here in the chapter earlier in verse 7. Paul says this, Is the law sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. So first, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the perfect law of God, His righteousness, His standard of holiness, that bar reveals our sin because we can't meet it. We can't keep all of the Ten Commandments perfectly. Jesus said if you break one of them, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. And so the the law of God reveals that we are sinners and that we have sinned. But not only that, the law of God actually stirs up our flesh to sin. Look at verse 8 of chapter 7. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. So not only does God's law reveal our sin that we can't measure up, the law of God stirs up sin. Sin. Do not covet. And all of a sudden, I got a lot of covetousness, Paul says. Augustine wrote this in his Confessions. As a kid, he said, There was a pear tree near our vineyard laden with fruit. One stormy night, we rascally youth set out to rob it and carry our spoils away. We took off a huge load of pears, not to feast upon ourselves, but to throw them to the pigs. Though we ate just enough to have pleasure of the forbidden fruit. They were nice pears, but it was not the pears that my wretched soul coveted, for I had plenty better at home. I picked them simply in order to become a thief. The only feast I got was a feast of iniquity, and that I enjoyed to the full. What was it that I loved in the theft? Was it the pleasure of acting against the law in order that I, a prisoner under rules, might have a, a maimed counterfeit of freedom by doing what was forbidden, with a dim sense of omnipotence? The desire to steal was awakened simply by the prohibition of stealing. I remember going to my grandma and grandpa's apartment that they lived in in Des Moines, Iowa, and we would have so much fun at the pool. One year we came and they had a sign up that said no diving. So, what did me and my brother start to do? We started to dive. The law does that. It's not that the law is bad. By no means, Paul says, it's that our flesh is bad. Our flesh is sinful. It's our sinful self. And the law stirs up our flesh actually to sin. So the flesh does battle with our minds, with our spirit, and is continually inclined toward the sin. Thomas A. Kempis wrote about this frustration. He says, I desire to enjoy God inwardly, but I cannot take God, I desire to cleave to heavenly things, but fleshly things and unmortified passions depress me. I will in my mind to be above all things, but in spite of myself, I am constrained to be beneath. So I, unhappy man, fight with myself and am made grievous to myself while the Spirit seeketh what is beneath. Oh, what I suffer within, while as I think on heavenly things in my mind, the company of fleshly things cometh against me when I pray. Have you experienced that, believer? That even as you get down on your knees or you're, you're, you're seeking the Lord in prayer, the flesh is, is, is right there. To even distract from a time of communion with your God and creator. The flesh is the problem. The flesh is inclined to sin. What does your flesh struggle with? Let me be real personal now. What does your flesh struggle with? We want to do battle, and we want to do it in a real way here. This is why we're doing this series. And so I'm going to ask you just to get before the Lord right now, even in this, in this service time, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the sin that has entangled you. So let's do that right now. Ask the Lord, Lord, what sin in my flesh Needs to be put to death. Ask him. So the Lord, through His Spirit, reveals sin in our life, and our flesh longs for that sin. And we confess that sin unto the Lord, and he forgives us of that sin. When we come to Christ, he actually forgives us of all our sins, past, present, and future. And yet, the flesh will continue to go back to the sin that which, which, which would easily entangle us. And so, today, we want to have victory. We want to fight the good fight in this battle against the flesh, and that leads us to point number two. It's the process the process, it's hard. So Paul is giving really this detailed account that we all have faced in, in one way or another. He has a desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. He wants to do the good, but then he ends up doing the bad. He doesn't want to do the bad, and he ends up doing it. And then verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right... Evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now he mentions law here lots of times. This isn't the law of God. There is the law of God, Ten Commandments, the righteous requirements of the Lord God Almighty. But he says, I see it to be a law or a principle. Or this is the truth, he's saying, that when I want to do right, evil's right there. And it's the law, that uh, the principle, of when I want to do it, my members are struggling not to. So this process is hard. Uh, the, the principle is this. We have two natures living within us. And that's what Paul is saying. This is the principle. Look at Galatians chapter five. Paul sums it up just quite succinctly in Galatians five seventeen. Galatians five seventeen says, "For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do." I heard another, an old uh, southern preacher say. You got two dogs living within you. You got your sinful nature, you got your holy nature. And these dogs are fighting. And which dog are you feeding? He said. It's true. It's a hard process, it's a battle. And it was hard for Paul. You hear Paul? Oh, wretched man that I am. Let me remind you, this is the Apostle Paul. He's a missionary of all missionaries. He's taken the gospel all over the known world. He's planted dozens and dozens of churches. He's brought the gospel all over. He was hoping to go to Spain before he got arrested in Rome. This is the Apostle Paul who's struggling here. This is the Apostle Paul who was a miracle worker. In Acts chapter 19... Some of his handkerchiefs that Paul had used were taken to other people who were sick and they were healed. How many of you, how many of your tissues healed anybody? This is the Apostle Paul who one guy fell asleep during his sermon and fell out the window and died. That should just detract you from falling asleep this morning, by the way. He fell out and Paul went over and healed him in the name of Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote Scripture. Do you like to write? Do you write some poetry sometimes? Paul wrote this, the Bible. This is the Apostle Paul, who when he was Saul and he was unsaved, Jesus met him when he was traveling to Damascus. Jesus met him on the road, spoke to him, and he was changed forever. What's your testimony like? This is the Apostle Paul who says, oh, wretched man that I am. So if it was a struggle for Paul, it's going to be a struggle for you. So the process is hard. But we can have victory through Jesus Christ. So if you're not a Christian today, you're fighting the battle of your flesh too, but you're at a disadvantage. Actually, you can't win by yourself and so the answer today for you my friend is jesus christ he can give you the victory if you're here and you're a carnal christian you've backslidden the answer is jesus christ he can give you the victory if you're here today and you're a christian and you're living for the lord the best you can with the ups and downs of life but you you're struggling against the flesh the answer is jesus christ in him we find the victory and that leads us to point number three and that is this, the plan. The plan. Now, if we just went to our text in Romans 7 and just stopped there, it would be sort of depressing. Okay, because he says we have the victory in Jesus Christ, but he doesn't really expound on it. He actually goes back to the struggle at the end of verse 25 and, and says that this struggle is going on still. Still. So you'll always have this struggle until you see Jesus. Now, that can be depressing, but that's not all that the Scriptures say. Actually, I believe chapter 7 and chapter 8 should be side by side in believers' uh, minds. Because in in chapter 8 now, then we have uh, how to live. Then we have the plan. And the plan is going to require you, my friend that's in a battle... You're in the war, and this is a specific battle in that war, and that's against your flesh. If you want to be effective, if you want to gain victory over your flesh, you're going to have to do some work. And I want to be careful, because this is not just a legalistic message, and make a list of things you got to do better, and then you better start doing it better. You better start praying more. How many hours are you praying? How much scriptures are you memorizing? How many times are you in church? I want to get away from that. That's It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it takes work. Every relationship takes work. We're going to call it this, a grace-driven effort. You see a quote on the back of your sermon notes from uh, Don Carson. Uh, It's a great quote. You can read it on your own time, but it's a grace-driven effort is required. Several years ago, I was talking with a guy who was looking for a job, and he was complaining that he didn't have any and he leads. He wasn't getting anywhere, and he was just uh, bummed out about it. I asked him, well, did, did you apply anywhere? No, no, I'm, I'm waiting on God to open the door to apply. Well, did you put your resume together? No, no, I'm waiting on the Lord, on his timing. Uh, uh, did you call anywhere to follow? No, no, I'm waiting on God. That's not waiting on God. That's not working. That's not putting effort into it. And to gain the victory over our flesh, it's going to take some effort on your part. Are you up for it? It's going to take some effort. First thing is this. Part of the plan is to live according to the Spirit, or to set your mind on things of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has not done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order for the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So Jesus Christ came. Jesus condemned sin in Jesus Christ on the cross. It met the requirements of the law. Jesus met the requirements for you and for me. So that if you have your faith and hope in the Messiah, your sins are reckoned, paid for to God Almighty. And so now we live according to the Spirit. He goes on, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Hmm. So one of the ways, part of the plan for victory, is that we would think correctly. That we would think the right thoughts. That we would set our minds on things of the Spirit. What things? People think think a lot about lots of stuff, right? But we're called to think on things of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know the list, Galatians? Um, Those are things of the Spirit. Philippians 4, 8, Paul says to... Whatever is lovely, whatever is worthy of praise. He lists those things there that are worthy of praise. Think on these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we think on the right things. We think on the good things. We think about the Lord. We we pursue that which is right. The problem is many of us don't think on those things. Let me give you the top five things people think about from a poll that I just made up of top 5 things people think about they think about this person your person you think about your person who you are you think about number 2 your preferences what i like what i don't like what i what i enjoy what i want to do third you think about your family you think wonderful thoughts about your family Four years ago, me and my family drove out to Seattle. That was 45 hours of wonderful family time in the car. We think about our family. We think about, fourthly, work, what God has given us to do. And then, fifthly, we think about the world, politics, things that are happening, going on. Now, those things in and of themselves are not bad, But here's the problem, the flesh, remember? The flesh is the problem. So the flesh comes, and the flesh rises up. And the flesh says, your person, who am I? What do I look like? Am I looking good enough? What are people seeing in me? What do people think about me? I want to make sure to please people. Forget about God or preferences. Why can't people do what I want them to do? Why can't my wife do what I say? Why doesn't that church do the things the way that I want to do things? My own preferences rule the day. Flesh rises up, even for family. My kids are the best. I find my hope and completion in my kids. I find it in my spouse. They're my whole world, my salvation in my spouse or work. The flesh rises up and can take you either way with work. It can take you to a way, a place where you're working all the time and you're neglecting things you shouldn't be neglecting. Or it can take you the other way. Your flesh can take you the other way and you're lazy and you're doing a poor job. Or how about the world? The flesh can get in and you be engaged in things of the world. You begin to love the world, what we heard about last week. So the flesh rises up and... It, it takes over, and we've got to be careful. We want to think on things of the spirit. The second part of the plan is not only the way that we think, uh, but the way that we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Turn over to Second Corinthians chapter three. to the right of Romans, 2 Corinthians chapter three. We'll start at verse 12. Paul's writing here about the glories of Jesus Christ, of the new covenant, how the, the people of Israel had rejected God. And then he comes to interesting verse, verse 12 of Second Corinthians. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, have you turned to the Lord? The veil is removed. Now the Lord is is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, here it is, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the way that we are going from one glory to another glory, we're gaining victory over our flesh, we're growing as a Christian. Paul says right here, the way that that happens is when we view Jesus Christ. When we look upon Him and His glory with unveiled faces, were changed from glory to glory so it's it's not the list of rules and regulations it's a relationship with the lord jesus christ that we would see him better that we would understand him that's why we're here in church that's why you do have a devotional time that you would know jesus christ better see what he has done for you see him on the cross see him risen see his love for you that while you were still a sinner he died for you when you would understand jesus More deeply, your relationship with him grows and the thing of of the flesh, the flesh gets beaten down in that love relationship that you have uh, with Jesus Christ. When you view Jesus properly and correctly, correctly, you can be victorious as you keep your eyes on him. My younger brother, uh, Joe, I I think I've mentioned it before, he was a Navy SEAL. And I loved talking to him about the training that he was going through at the time and different things that were happening. And one of the things that he didn't really like, it was one of the worst things that he had to do uh, in terms of training, was uh, go for uh, these long uh, dives. They wouldn't go super deep, but they would be down in the water at nighttime and it's just pitch black. Can't see anything. They would have a board. Uh, that would tell them where to go, the directions, but most of the time they had to keep that board off. And so it was just, he said, it's it just pitch black, and that was the worst. And every once in a while, uh, a real SEAL, not a Navy SEAL, would come up and put his face right in my brother's mask. That just jars you, scares you. One of the other things I asked him about that I would think would be very hard uh, uh, would, would be to, to swim seven miles in the ocean. That was part of their beginning requirements for BUDS training. So I asked him about it. He said, that wasn't that hard. Now my brother wasn't ever a good swimmer. He was scared to take a bath. He was scared of water. And I think that's what drove him to want to conquer that fear. And he said, but it wasn't that hard. I said, why? Because we always could see the shore. We could always see the shore so we could do the job. When we see Jesus, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we can Beat the flesh. We can gain victory. When we we get our eyes off Jesus, then the sin that so easily entangles us rules the day and our flesh rises up. But when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, a relationship with him in which we're growing, we will win the battle. So fix your minds on things of the Spirit. Grow in your relationship with Jesus by seeing him more clearly. This is the plan. And that would lead to our final point, which is the product. The product is Christ-likeness. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. So when we see Jesus, he transforms us into the image of Jesus. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, be not conformed Any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know all things work together for good. For those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. We love that verse. We put that verse on coffee mugs. We love it. But we forget about the following verse. What is that purpose? That we would be conformed to the image of the Son. So God works all things together for our good. Our good is that we would be more like Jesus Christ. That's our good. And that's the product of a victory a victorious life over the flesh is so that we would be more like jesus gaining victory over your flesh results in transformation transformation now i realize we're all on various paths we're all on different levels we're all at one level of glory or another But the same is true for the one who's been walking with the Lord for 50 years and the one that's been walking for five weeks is that when we gain victory in Jesus Christ over our flesh, we will be uh, transformed. Are you fighting this battle? If you're not a Christian, you can't even fight this battle. You're a slave to sin. Your flesh is a slave to sin and so is your, your very soul. But if you are a Christian, are you fighting? Are you fighting against the flesh? Or are there some things in your life you just kind of throw up your hands? And that's, that's kind of what I do. I struggle with it. I deal with it. And, or have you become so callous that even the sin that you felt, uh, the weight of the guilt about it, that's kind of worn off now. And that's, you, I just do my thing. God is calling you today to get serious about your relationship with him. He's calling you to make a grace-driven effort to fix your minds on things of the Spirit and see Jesus better, that you would put to death the flesh. Are you fighting? We'll close with Romans 7, 25. We've mentioned it a couple times, but the very end of it says this. After we have victory, he's talked about the victory, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is a battle that will continue until we die. In this life, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can gain uh, the victory. I'm going to ask Dave to come up. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And then I want to sing as a response to today's message, to God's word, the Lord, I need you song that we sang. Uh, So let's just bow and and go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, we thank you for this challenge today. Forgive me for my sin, Lord. You know my heart uh, has been really, in a lot of ways, uh, heavy, uh, thinking about my flesh. Thank you for your forgiveness Thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, fire us up to want to fix our minds on what is right. To see Jesus even more clearly as our Savior. Keep our eyes fixed on him. And Lord, when those times of sin and struggle come, we fall to you in your grace and mercy. Lord, help us in this battle against an enemy. Deliver us, we pray. Lord, right now, for those in this place today who are struggling, draw them to yourself, that they would confess sin to you and commit afresh to living for you. And Jesus, it's in your beautiful name we pray this. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing this song together. like to pray and seek the Lord, love to pray with you, I know there's elders in the room that would love to pray as well, to gather together to be committed in this war that we are in, in the battle against the flesh, so go in his peace today, serve the Lord Jesus Christ.